This is Making Disciples with Robbie Gallaty, which is part of the Replicate Podcast Network. It is a resource to equip and encourage leaders to make disciples who make disciple makers. Here is your host, Chris Swain. Today on the podcast, we are talking about fanning the flame, the prayer service that has been so that has been so integral to what God has integral done. Integral or integral? Integral. Uh, I say integral. Do you? Now, I don't know the proper enunciation. Can Robert fact check that? We haven't had a fact Robert check in a while. It has been a while. It's been a while. Is it integral or integral? integral? I think it's integral. <laughs> of course, that's what I said, so I'm going to choose that one. Now, I have been wrong, so I'm not going to argue here. Keep going. Keep going. As we have been uh, talking through the Long Hollow Revival, what God has done to revive his people the repentance, the worship, the praise, the baptism, the salvation, the life change, the new church that you have received, the new pastor that the church has received. It's been a long uh, and exciting journey. It actually hasn't been that long. It It feels like it's been a really long time, and at the same time, it feels like it's been one day. (laughs) It's only been 12, 13 weeks. It's incredible, and we are so thankful and grateful to the Lord who is doing all of this. And as we talk about fanning into flame, we know that only he fans into flame. But as we talk about prayer and how critical that has been uh, a part of this, prayer personally for you as uh, the pastor here, prayer for our staff, prayer for our key leaders, deacons, and, and our leadership body, and then the prayer of our people. Mm. We wanted to, and by we, I mean you had this idea. Uh, I, uh, when you first mentioned it, I thought, well, that's that's kind of old school, you know. Mm-hmm. When you think of a prayer service, yeah. uh, we talked about how that's typically in most churches the Wednesday night uh, time taker upper. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, we Fill never want to call it that, but Wednesday night, what are we going to do? Well, let's have a prayer service. Uh, mm. That obviously we don't want to treat it uh, that that poorly in our focus on it. But I would say what we're doing for our prayer service is different than any ministry prayer service I've been a part of. Mm-hmm. And the focus is much more intentional than, hey, we're opening up the church building, come in and pray if you want to. Yeah. And so I think it's important for people listening to hear exactly how we do our prayer service. Because there are probably some church leaders out there who would say, I'd like to do one like this, or I'm interested in hearing how you do it. And uh, even if you're a lay person and you're thinking, I'd love to start this in my church, I think you would have the opportunity to take something like this and and to begin to lead it. So let's walk through and talk through uh, how the prayer service has been working at at Long Hollow. All right, let me give you a biblical basis for this. Turn to Acts uh, 6. Mr. Swain, and I want you to read Acts 6-4. This is the biblical basis for why the prayer service, in my mind, is paramount. Yes. Uh, and I would say this, equal to the preaching event. I know that's I know that's nervous. Would you say it's integral? I would say it's <laughs> integral. It's very integral. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, All right, let's read, read Acts 6, and I'm going to explain. Because I'm going to need some explanation. Okay, some Acts 6-4. Yep. To do on that one. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Okay. Prayer and the ministry of the word. Now, for for years, we have read that as uh, we we will devote ourselves to prayer. Mm -hmm. What what do you think when you hear that? I think let's devote ourselves to praying all the time, you know, praying and constantly be praying. And the ministry of the word, which I I would translate that to be the sermon on Sunday. 
yes. the worship service. Yeah. What? Okay. Let's look at the prayer then. What? What particularly about the prayer you would say? Is it a general prayer or is it praying when you can? The way I'm reading it here, I would take it as general prayer. Let's yes. Com- devote ourselves to prayer. Yes. That that and that's how I would too mm-hmm. normally. Okay. I looked. Did I get a sense you're going to say I'm wrong? Well, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, let me let me tell you what the Greek says. If we go back to the Greek language, okay, you can look this up online. I'm looking at the uh, U, UBS Greek New Testament. If you look at the Greek, it's very it's a simple structure, and you can you can see it in the Greek. Basically, what the Greek reads is we, the prayer and the word of the Lord, or the 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 preaching. Of the of the word, devote yourselves to. This is what the Greek reads. So, we, the prayer prayers and the preaching of the word, we devote ourselves to. Now, why is that important? Because it's not we gave our we need to devote ourselves to the pr- or prayer and the preaching of the word. Hmm. In the Greek, there's a definite article before the word prayer there, and the word prayer is just general praying and it's not a specific mm-hmm. kind of prayer it's proscuse pro, proscuse a that's uh, what i was thinking yeah it's exactly just what you're thinking yeah proscuse uh and it just means general prayer okay yeah. now the definite article before a word shows us that is it was a formal prayer time mm. this wasn't just general prayer so the english language actually leaves it out it says they devote themselves to prayer and the word that's not what it says they devoted themselves to the prayer and the preaching of the word. Mm. And when I think, and I'm in good company with this because guys like Matt Chandler, Nathan Lino, who have talked about this, agree with the same thing. What I think he's saying there is the apostles focused on two gathering times. Mm. One was a gathering of the preaching of the word, and one was a gathering of the praying of the saints. And their focus as a pastor, if you're a senior pastor, ministry leader, then you need to be about the business of doing two things, leading your people how to hear from God Mm -hmm. through the preaching, leading people how to talk to God through praying. Mm -hmm. Now, as you said, I have seen prayer meetings before, just casually. I mean, I haven't really been to one like what we're doing, but I've seen the typical traditional prayer meeting, which is a 35-minute devotional Mm -hmm. on another sermon, on another topic, on another lesson by the same pastor. Hmm. Then the last 20, 25 minutes is a laundry list of prayer requests lifted up to the Father, praying for Aunt Susie's sister's stub toenail. Which, no offense, those toenails can get painful. I've had a few of them. Yeah, they are pretty painful. But No offense to that because it's probably something she needs prayer for. But what we're trying to do, Chris, is get people how to teach people how to talk to God. Hmm. When you can get your people actually conversing with God and believing God and talking to God, I believe that's what moves the heart of God to act. Okay. Hmm. So the two things we try to do, there's two big buckets, uh, which I try to follow as I'm maybe three big buckets I try to follow. Okay. The first is, and this has been a huge part of my own personal time with the Lord, a huge part. And I don't see many people doing this. Mm-hmm. And I would say, Chris, and you've seen it and experienced it, this is the part I think people enjoy the most, silence and solitude. Mm-hmm. We don't do the solitude part, but we do the silence part. Yeah, when we, get, we, we typically begin each service with just sitting in silence. Yes. 
And I say just like that's once again, even in my statement there, I demeaned yeah. it. In some you way. you, you, you diminish it. Wasn't yeah. even thinking. Uh, but it's the more, probably one of the most powerful things the whole night. And remember, through this prayer service, you are modeling mm-hmm. for your people what prayer looks like for them to take into the home. Because what you ultimately want, and which I've been trying to do with my own boys, although they're rowdy and rambunctious, <laughs> I've been trying to do silence and solitude and prayer with them at home. And so I'm modeling on Tuesday what I want to happen at well, home. And, and and share that statement. You you typically say this each week. I know you change it up from time to time, but you talk about sediment. Yes. And it's just a great way to start the prayer service because... I think this clarifies why. Yeah. So what I do is I generally get up and welcome the group. I'll give you the whole format. I generally get up and welcome the group, and then I read a scripture. I pray. So my schedule through the day on Tuesday, my staff is very good about allowing me to get away. So Tuesday after lunch, I shut down from the office. I go home in my home office, which is kind of the prayer shed, and I sit, Chris, for from about 12.30 till 4, 4.30 in silence and solitude with the Lord. And I sit with an empty notebook and a pen. And I write prayer night, whatever the date is. Lord, what what do you want it to? Because here's the thing about a prayer night. Every Tuesday night is a different expression. Every one is a different, mm-hmm. and you've been in them. Yeah. And the Lord wants to take us on a different journey. And God wants to take us into a deeper intimacy with him. And so every night's different. And so I ask the Holy Spirit, who knows best, what do you want us to talk about? So he'll lead me to scriptures. He'll lead me to an idea. And so I'll always start with a scripture, whatever the theme of that night mm-hmm. is, whatever he leads me. But mostly it's it's a scripture like this. Um, For you alone, O my soul, wait in silence for my hope is in him. That's one I start with. Mm. Or be still and know I am God. Or let all the earth be silent before the Lord. So I'll read that scripture. I may unpack it for a minute. And then I'm going to say, hey, many of you came in tonight. You are uh, making it here. Um, you are overwhelmed, you had a difficult day, you got family problems, and you have a lot going on, a lot of voices, a lot of things running in your head. What I want you to picture as we do this silence, I want you to picture your soul, your mind, like a cup of river water that we just scooped from the river. Mm. And the word picture here is I want you to set that cup down. If I put the river water in a clear glass container down on this stage, the sediment will run around and swirl around for a while. But over time, if you watch it, the dirt and the particles and the dust will begin to settle to the bottom and you'll be able to see perfectly through the water. Mm. And silence is that for your soul. So I tell them we're going to sit in silence. God's first language Mm. was silence. Think about that for a moment and we'll pick it up when we get back from the break. As you lead your disciple-making movement, the Replicate Network provides ongoing practical training and a community of like-minded church leaders to help you and your church thrive. Each month, you'll get frameworks, a Q&A time with Robbie Gallaty, and access to our online forums and groups. We will provide you with prayer and personal support, practical resources, discounts, and benefits as you seek to make disciples who make disciple-makers. Check out the Replicate Network today at replicatenetwork.com. 
And we're back talking about our prayer service here at Long Hollow, some of the things we've learned along the way, how uh, we structure that meeting. And, and I use the word structure loosely because although we do have an overarching structure, we try to leave room uh, for God to move and speak and, and, and for us to respond. And as you said before, you're teaching us to talk to God. Mm. And, and in those gatherings, it is just a different environment. It's one that begins with silence. Mm. And you shared about the sediments, uh, the passage, uh, passages that you kind of lean into to, to get everyone to just kind of focus in and say, hey, this is going to be a moment where I'm going to stop and I'm going to engage with God tonight. And yeah. so uh, from there, what happens next? Well, let me, let, me, let me just tell you a little bit about that moment. I started, if you remember, early on. And we've done silence. Silence has been a part of the prayer night since the beginning. Mm -hmm. I know very few churches that are incorporating silence and because I was one of them. Why do silence when I can speak? Yeah. <laughs> I got a lot to say, right? right? Little do we know, God is speaking and none of us are listening because we're too busy talking. But God is like, I'm trying to speak. I want to speak to you personally. And it may not be with audible words. I'm going to speak to you in the heart. And so we sit in silence. Now, in the beginning, it was a minute. I started with a minute. Now, if you've never done silence for a minute, that's a long time. If we were to stop right now for one minute, you would think the, the podcast is broken. Okay. We won't well, do it. But no, no. Let's stop for 10 seconds. 10 I'm, I'm going to show you. I'm going to time us because I want to show it. you just how long 10 seconds is for silence. Now, imagine being in front of people for, for a minute. Here we go. Silence. There it is. And we're back. One minute. <laughs> uh, 10 seconds. That was 10 seconds. Yeah. What's interesting about silence is it's so quiet, it becomes deafening. Yes. Because we're so used to, you know, Blaise Pascal said all of life's problems are because man, or, or because of man's inability to sit in a room quiet by himself with his own thoughts. I think about that. That's a deep quote. All of man's problems stems from the fact that uh, of man's inability to sit in a room quiet alone by himself with his thoughts. Meaning the last thing any of us want to do is sit quietly alone. Why? Because we come face to face with our own mortality. Well, and it becomes even more pronounced when you're standing on the stage it and is, people it, are yes. looking at you. So last week, thinking, yes. This is, this is, <laughs> what is this going to be? So last week, I think we were almost to three minutes, huh, Robert? I think we three to four minutes. That's a long time, but I'm telling you. And here's what I used to. When I first started, I used to look at the clock. And then the Holy Spirit began to teach me, don't look at the clock. Let me prompt you. Hmm. Well, last week, it was long. I didn't look at the clock. It, it, he prompted me way in, yeah. but I just think that's so good. Okay, so after we do silence, I immediately transition into worship. Now, I want to speak the rest of our time on worship, and we'll get to the other elements later, but worship is important. And Now, worship can be a good thing, and worship can quench the spirit. Hmm. And I know you're saying, quench the spirit? How can worship quench the spirit? What are you talking about? Hmm. Come into his presence with Thanksgiving and praise. I thought that's what the Bible says, which it does. But what I mean is too much worship, Chris, can actually quench the spirit, okay? And here's how I know this. I'm, I'm reading a, another book on the Welsh revival now uh, by a guy named Jones, uh, which is called Rent 
the heavens. You ever heard of this book? Rent as in R-E-N-T? Yeah, rent. No, no, rent rent as in R-E-N-T. Now, rent rent back then meant something different. I I think it was tear the heavens, you know, rent the heavens in two. Um, And basically what he's talking about is God split the heavens and came down and met with these people. The the subtitle is The Revival of 1904, is Mm. what he's saying. Okay. Uh, And what what he's chronicling there is the Welsh Revival, we've talked about this some, was was initiated by a 26-year-old man named Evan Roberts. Evan Roberts, just to encourage those who are not in full-time ministry, was not a preacher. Hmm. He had no seminary training. In fact, when Roberts went to seminary for six weeks, he left because he said they were going to teach the spirit out of him. <laughs> now, I'm not against seminary. Don't email me. Yeah, I went to seminary. I love seminary. But seminary has a tendency, if we're not careful, to cause us to rely on our intellect and not God's ability and not hmm. the spirit's empowerment. And I know full hand, firsthand what that's like. But Roberts left the seminary. He said, there's no way I'm going here because it's uh, it's taking the spirit out of me. So that was one of his downfalls, I think, is he had uh, he didn't have a lot of theological foundation to begin with. Mm-hmm. But his main downfall was, if you study his life, there was no accountability. He had nobody speaking into his life. And this is a great challenge for discipleship. Nobody spoke into his life that he trusted <coughs> where he basically could go and say, hey. They couldn't go and say, hey. You're off here. You're getting off base here. Because that's ultimately how it happened. At the end of Roberts' life, he got off into some wacky things, and he burnt himself out. Okay? But that's another podcast. Okay? Mm. Here's what I want to tell you. So Roberts <laughs> Roberts began the revival, uh, when the revival began, began, with this phrase, Lord, bend us. That's the phrase that mm. they say began the revival. Lord, bend us. Us. It's an interesting phrase. I've never prayed that. No, or, me neither. Or, or ask that. Yeah. Lord, <laughs> bend us or break us or uh, mold us or yeah. shape. You know, that's what he's saying. Okay. The, the power of God falls. And then from that point on, Roberts begins to preach. They, they, they say that in nine months or one year, it's a discrepancy. Um, they saw 100,000 people converted and saved. Think about that. Nine months, 100,000 people converted and saved. What was fascinating about the Welsh Revival is that he actually saw more people saved and converted outside of Wales, where where he was, the church he started and and is started at, and the churches there, than he saw in the city. Mm -hmm. He saw more converts, he saw 10 times more converts outside the city than in the city. Why? Because people who were part of that initial move of God's spirit in Wales Mm -hmm. began to leave and tell the story elsewhere. That's why one of the reasons, Chris, we are telling this story, not so that people say, wow, that's great at Long Hollow. It can never happen here. No, we want you to realize this can happen at your church. If you believe and trust God, it can happen. Okay. But what happened with the Welsh revival is, and I've heard this from a historian, and we may have said it before, but I want to say it again, because it cautions us against being tempted to simply just worship. What the line he told me was, the Welsh revival, the Welsh revival leaders sang the revival away. They sang the revival away. Well, what do you mean, sang the revival away? They decided, and it was, and, and listen, I, I feel this pressure too because on Tuesday nights, God moves so much in the worship and so much in just praise that you think, wow, I need to neglect all these other things and just sing for the entire time. We don't even need to pray, we just mm-hmm. need to sing. 
we don't even need to preach is the temptation. We just need to sing. And obviously prayer night's different. So there's not a lot of preaching on prayer night, but if this would happen on Sunday morning, this is where the problem came in. They started to gather on Sunday mornings for worship and prayer and in and, and the word. And what happened was they decided we don't need to hear the word. We just need to sing. And they sang and, and listen, God moved. People got saved. God was moving. But eventually they had so much worship, they forgot the word. And so what happened was they just got so used to singing and emotionalism and fanaticism and mm. experiencing God, which is part of it, encountering God, that they had no theological framework to support what was happening. And so what happens is when the word is not central in the life of a revival, it's very easy for people to get off on tangents mm -hmm. and for, John says, false spirits to come in and deceive and mm -hmm. to trick. And that's what Satan would love more. So the challenge for us is this. As you do this prayer night, you want to have praise. You want to have worship. So we limit it to two songs on the front end. Mm -hmm. Okay. Here's the line I use, and I want to share this as we close. And we'll pick up what we do after this because mm -hmm. this is just the beginning. Yes. We didn't even start praying yet. That's right. Although we, <laughs> although people have started praying before they got there. But, right, right. Uh, the doors open. I want to say this before we start. The doors open around 6.15-ish. Is that right? Yeah. About. Or 6. No, I'm sorry. The doors open at 6 yeah. because it starts at 6.30. Right. So the doors open at 6. Mm -hmm. The prayer before the prayer. We got a prayer team that prays before the prayer mm -hmm. prayer meeting. We said that they come at five thirty mm -hmm. or five forty, mm -hmm. so they're praying an hour before it starts, and right before I walk off the stage, so I get up and welcome. I read the scripture. We do silence and solitude, and here's the last line I say before I walk off, and the worship team leads. Let me invite you to come forward if the Lord leads you to pray at these steps. Make these steps an altar. Mm -hmm. And here's a line I use. You have permission to come forward. Mm. Now, why do I use that line? I think people f need to have permission that it's mm. okay to come forward and pray before God. And we said this uh, before, but the difference between you and revival, I'm convinced of this, is the distance between your knees to the ground. Mm. And what I mean is, it's just a fancy way of saying prayer. You're not praying and seeking God for God to revive you. Mm -hmm. Gypsy Smith used to say this. He says, if you want to see revival, he'd preach sermons and say, if you want to see revival today, amen, we do. Go home, take a piece of chalk. Back then they lived in wooden floors and mm -hmm. cement floors. Take a piece of chalk, go into a room, shut the door, draw a circle on the ground, get inside the circle and ask God to revive the circle. When he's answered the prayer, you're going to see revival. <laughs> and what he meant was, he has to revive you before he can revive your church or before he can re revive a community or a family. Well, that's great. As we continue through the series, we'll talk more about the details of the prayer service next time. Thanks so much for joining us. If you enjoyed the podcast, as always, take the opportunity to share it with a friend. You can text them a link right now and give us a rating wherever you get your podcast. Thanks for joining us. And until next time, bye-bye. Thank you for joining us for this episode. Take a moment to subscribe and share this podcast.
you can receive more free resources to help you make disciples in your home, group, or church by clicking the link in the show notes or visiting our website at replicate.org.